right, James. What was our what was our cold open that you had for us? Oh, about John's nuts are going to beat my truck to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, man! That's a damn. I pulled up. Yeah, I pulled up and I got out and I just started getting hit in the head with a bunch of nuts. You gotta stay away from John's nuts. I'm Bob, and I got my co-host here, James. James already been drinking a little bit today with our special guest, John Geigerich. Did I say it right, John? Did I say it right this time? That was perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's not Geigerich. I called you Geigerich for a long time. You did. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I just go John G. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. So we're John, good. John G. Yeah, John Geigerich. You call him enough, he stops answering the phone, and you just listen to his voicemail <laughs> enough, I, you'll get it right. I wouldn't talk to you either. <laughs> All right, everybody. As y'all know, um, James brings the BS. Yep, yep. And this is our first official episode, so you better have a good BS story to get us started. You better learn how to edit something. <laughs> That's podcast. what you better do. <laughs> Podcasting. Well, I don't know everybody knows, but I made my visit to John G's house, I don't know, I guess, what, three months ago? And, Your first one. And, yeah, first one. Pop that chair. I didn't want to leave. I mean, I literally wanted to stay in the cellar. Well, we've been here about an hour and a half. We haven't even gotten started yet. I know. I mean, it's it's your fault. Always your fault. So I nicknamed this the Garden of Roses because it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I mean, I, I don't think Four Roses has as many. Well, yeah, you go it's walk into that wine cellar and there's 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 a few bottles it's, of Four Roses. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, you could drink in there all day and not, not have a sweat. Yeah. Not one. As soon as I take one drink, I'm sweating already. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's uh, this is always be known as a garden of roses. If you could just learn to back your truck up, we'd be all right. <laughs> there was no way, Bob. No way. I don't want to hear it. I, I you know, I get Katie up here. Katie, Katie will back it up. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure there are people who have uh, more than I do. I think there are probably 150 plus uh, four roses single barrels in that uh, one room. There are currently around 50 of them open. We'll talk about some charity events and some other things um, around bourbon and um, bringing your hobbies together. And so we'll talk about some of the maybe special bottles that I have in there. Uh, but it's, an, frankly, an awesome entree into the bourbon world. It was mine, originally a Four Roses single barrel. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, so it's, it's fall release time. Um, and everybody, uh, I was talking with some guys yesterday, and they're wanting to trade maybe an Old Forester birthday bourbon. And I was like, well, okay, well, what would you like to do a little trade? And, and John Kygert is loving this 2019 Four Roses Limited Edition small batch, by the way. He's like, well, you know, the usual happy, VTAC, will it? That's all everybody's looking for these days. They're missing all of these great single barrels. You're pretty connected in the single barrel world. Is there a single barrel that's coming out this fall? that you're looking to, to hopefully get your hands on, or you know you're going to get your hands on and pretty excited to taste it? Well, you don't actually want me to talk about which Four Roses single barrels I'm excited about coming out. Uh, in today's day and age, if I say that, I might not be able to get them. Yeah, yeah, we might just we might just wait on that. We'll talk about it after the show. Actually, oh. actually, what I, what I will say is we've had some really nice picks recently hit the Atlanta market. Oh, yeah. Not only great barrels, but also some great... Uh, stickers that people have 
brought into the game. Um, I'm not sticker crazy. Um, you got to buy it for the taste, but I do think it's a little fun to see what people can do with some of these stickers, particularly when the sticker draws attention to the bottle and allows somebody, a group, an individual to raise money for charity. So it's a big thing about what I do, and we can talk about that um, in a little bit. Okay. Is there any BTAC Pappy, other than Mictor's 20, because Mictor's 20 is like your... Uh, uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. I mean, that. well, that's the help, but he gets it. Oh, well. I mean, that that's his kryptonite. I mean, it, it comes across his desk, and boom, it's mine. What, what else is... Um, what else would you say is up there for you? Well, first of all, I, I love Mictor 20. So thankfully, um, I'm pretty sure I will get a bottle this year. And I'll have four very shortly open uh, vintages of them from 16 to today. They skipped um, one year. And so I'll have those four. I've blinded that against uh, all of the BTAC. And obviously, it's going to compare more to the bourbons than to the Rise, plus some other heavyweight bottles, and it's come out on top every time. So I, I'm a fan. It's we, a heavy retail price, yeah. Um, but I'm willing to pay it. Uh, James, were you invited to that blind? I, I, I missed the invite to that blind. You're talking about blinding this against Pappy and BTAC. Well, he didn't I know me here. then, so I, I guess I'll let him slide. But uh, my main note from this is get an M20. That's, that's, that's a big note. <laughs> yeah, I circled it, too. <laughs> I mean, next to that, I put, like, get a Wild Turkey 1980 Beyond Duplication. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, we haven't talked about that yet. If we do, I'll put it on my list. If we, okay. Okay. So, uh, on on the BTAC side, one of the things I think is interesting, I think a lot of the high-proof guys have not liked to see the trend of uh, George T. Stagg come down. I think it's going to be 116 point something this year. I'm really looking forward to trying it. Um, this is the second year in a row. I believe there may have been others where the Handy is at a higher proof point again than both the Stag and the William LaRue Weller. So I've really enjoyed the last few years of, of Stag. I think it's really approachable for a lot of people. Well, I haven't had this year yet, but I'm pretty optimistic about where it stands at 116. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the hashtag better than stag or GTS that's been floating around? What do you think about that? <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen that, but I'm not a millennial. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I need to pay more attention to my, my... Oh, actually, I'll tell you what. There have been some really strong picks out there, and I know some people believe that uh, Jack Daniels single barrel is better yeah. than George T. Stag. Some people. And <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what. The 144 proofer that I tried, I mean, you found out right away it was 144 proof, but it still drank pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. I needed to add a little water to mine to enjoy it. And so think about the difference of that. Uh, 144 against this year's stag at 116. Yeah. I think it'd be a nice pace to see both of them proofed about the same. Pick any of the last yeah. couple of year stags, proof down that Jack Daniels and try them that way. Um, so I'm a fan of a number of the Jack Daniels single barrels. I think it's a frankly cool thing that's coming out. I'll actually go ahead and transition and say what, something I'm pretty excited about that I was on a store pick for City Wine and Spirits at Bullet. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure many people know, but Bullet has started 
a single barrel program. It is very similar process-wise to what they do at Four Roses. So they have 10 recipes. They're their own recipes, not the Four Roses recipes. Uh, we went up there. They had three of them available. We tasted through seven different barrels. We ended up picking one of each of the three recipes available. I know some other stores in Atlanta and some other stores around the Southeast have picked. Um, but this is really solid bourbon, and I think it's a real evolution for the Bullet brand. And I think Definitely. people get pretty excited about what they see coming out in the next several months. Mm -hmm. And now something else you're really enjoying is a 2019 Four Roses limited edition small batch. And your palate is, is up there, okay? I mean, uh, people in this game, they know if your name is on a, on a barrel pick and you picked it said it was good. Like you said, you're, you're scared to even say what Four Roses you're looking forward to coming out. What do you think about this one? What are you tasting? So we're going to do a blind tasting letter later. Maybe. Um, <laughs> if you um, make it that far. So Ameri some of them, American Spirit Works ASW picks, which is a youngish, you know, three and a half, four year bourbon with some good Georgia Hartwood charred staves added to the barrel. And I think there are some great picks rolling around Atlanta. I helped on two of them. And so it's only disappointing as I look forward to that, that we're not doing a blind of the Four Roses uh, small batch limited edition or single barrel limited edition. Small batch. Small batch limited edition. It's all right. We have that um, button. I'll, I'll take care of you. I actually that. have some contrary. If people listen to this, you can write in. Um, for one, I like 16 better than 15. Absolutely. Uh, most, I agree with you 100%. Most people don't. They talk about 15 and really talk down 16. Um, I did them side by side when I first got my 16. Loved it, thought it was better. Have done it blind several times. Um, it always sort of outperforms. Uh, the other thing for me is 2014, I think, is if you're dealing in the secondary market, a great trade. Um, it trades at a discount, I believe, primarily because it got sandwiched in between 2013 and 2015. But it's absolutely awesome. And then... I like um, 17, too, to be honest with you. I really enjoy my 17. So I think 17 it is also good. Listen, they're all good. There's they're not all. a weak sister in the bunch. I think it's yeah. one of the things that Four Roses does a fantastic job with year in and year out. It is fun. Well, again, we'll talk about charity later, but Lauren Simpson has run for three years. Unfortunately, I understand he's not going to run it this February. A fundraiser for Excursions, which is a group that helps uh, vets who are battling PTSD. Been a great event, very Four Roses-centric event. And last year, I did a blind of all the limited edition uh, small batch Four Roses. As my recollection, 2010 came out on top, which was actually fantastic. Um, 2014 was in the top three. And I don't remember what else was in the top three, but it was not the typical lineup that most people mm -hmm. think about of 12, 13, 15, and then maybe back to 10 and 11. So I'd encourage everybody to, to try some things blind, do it with some friends, do it with a spouse. I think it really takes all the bias away and lets you enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing here soon. But what are you tasting in the 2019? Because even when this podcast comes out, there's going to be a lot of people that it hadn't even been released yet. So tell everybody, you know, what you're tasting, what you're thinking. 
A um, lot of caramel and vanilla. There's no marzipan in this. Um, is there any muted oak? <laughs> there is no There is no muted oak in this. Although by recollection, I think they've got some older stuff um, that's in here. So I think you might taste a little bit of oak, a little, I wouldn't call it muted though. But the big thing to me, and this is one of the things when I'm picking a barrel or I'm trying to enjoy bourbon, I'm not trying to identify every single thing that I yeah. can get out of it. I'm basically looking at it and saying, do I enjoy this from start to finish? And that goes from the aroma and smelling it and then on through the tasting. I think, honestly, a lot of people try to get too scientific about it and think yeah. that they want to taste every single thing. You know, I equate it to Robert Parker. So I started off as a big wine guy, still pretty decent into the wine. And Robert Parker would list things off that he would taste and I personally have never licked saddle leather. Mm -hmm. um, I don't recall eating the lead of a pencil. Yeah. Um, and so there's a number of things. Your childhood I, just wasn't as enjoyable <laughs> as some others. And I just. Uh, I, I ate crayons. And so. Brown crayons. So I will say I'll pick out notes and I enjoy them. But the biggest thing to me is finding something that you're going to enjoy from the start through the middle. And then it has a nice long finish where you can enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and normally we're all kind of drinking the same thing. James and I have tore into that 2019 already. So we, we branched out and John was very kind to offer us some Elijah Craig 23. Uh, barrel date on this bad boy is, um, our bottle date is 9717. So it's a 2017 release, 90 proof. And this stuff's fantastic. I'm well, when was it barreled? 23 years before 2017. Oh, it doesn't say on the back? No. Oh. No, and... I was probably funny still note. in school. Funny note, yeah, you probably were. Um, the pre-fire Elijah Craig's tell you the barreled on date. The new stuff is all bottled on. So last year technically was the last year of the pre-fire juice. So the be interesting to see how the twenty nineteen ninety four. That was before the Braves won their first World Series. But they did go from worst to first before then. Yeah, ninety one. Yeah. Yeah, the miracle season did happen. Yeah, Sid Bream's hobbled ass slid into home plate. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I remember watching was that game Was it second to home? Too. Second to home, wasn't it? I think there's no way he made it from first to home. There's no way. No, it was probably second to He'd home. He'd had a heart attack from It was second to home because I remember that guy waving him on in and yeah. telling him to get down, get down. Oh, great moment in Atlanta history. One of the few we have. Yeah. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> um, by the way, it just made me think of this. Might as well go ahead and. Talk about it. So when I was thinking about the beginning, the middle, and the end, and what you're trying to taste from it, um, I did a pick earlier this year uh, with the Bourbon Barons with group out of Atlanta. And it wasn't a pick. We actually did a blend at Bourbon 30 with Jeff mm -hmm. Mattingly. And one of the things he consistently talked about, and I know people have different views of, of Jeff, but I've told people it's one thing to actually just pick the best barrel it's a whole nother thing to try to blend something together and come out with a product that's good that you like and other people are going to like. And he drummed home that thought process every time, beginning, middle, and end. And we ended up with 70% of it being um, two different um, MGP rides that were about five years old. Um, that were really, really solid, but they were missing something. What they were missing was at the end, 
and some of us that were there sort of turned our nose up at the light whiskey and you know that goes in I believe at 165 proof um, into a used barrel comes out this was a 12 year old but ultimately that ended up being the final 30% of our blend and it really gave a longer butterscotch finish to the yeah. end of that and butterscotch is one of those things that I happen to love in Dusty's from old granddad good old ND juice that people have so I would tell people uh, keep, keep an open mind and maybe try your own blending at home yeah. and see if you can't take some things. I don't believe personally you can turn bad whiskey or bourbon into good or great bourbon or whiskey, um, but you can make some whiskeys that are already good just a little bit better by doing a little experimentation. And that's one of the things I learned at Bourbon 30. Oh yeah. And we haven't, we haven't actually reviewed that one on the show yet, um, but it's fantastic. I took it to Alabama with me and put it up with some other, you know, single barrel store picks that were really good. And we did it blind because they don't know in Alabama. Uh, they don't know anything in Alabama, do they? They know a good bit, but uh, they don't know anything about this, you know, uh, about, you know, bourbon barons. It won hands down. They said, that is amazing. Had no idea that it was a blend. You know, didn't know anything about it, but they, they said it was amazing. And I, and I had to agree with them. It, it's, it's a pretty good bottle. Well, I spilled it on my shirt when we tasted it in the parking lot. I don't know if that's legal or not, but we tasted it in the parking lot. I spilled it on my shirt, and I just kept smelling it on the way home. I just kept smelling it. And so did that uh, state trooper. <laughs> no, no, no. I, was, I had a DD. My beautiful DD drove me home. But um, so I was so excited about how good it smelled. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it still just spilt on my shirt. I went and shoved it in my mom's mouth or face and then I kind of punched her in the nose. Sorry. But um, it is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's dark. I don't think I've ever seen anything that dark. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Well, it's dark. And listen, one of the things Jeff does is he he adds staves into the barrel. Mm -hmm. So it's getting more of that darkness. It's getting more of that oak. And so that really brings it out. Um, in particularly that five-year rye, you wouldn't typically see yeah. five-year rye that way. But again, the bit, the other big thing we learned besides beginning, middle, and end, this turned into a geeky show, we'll have to get out of this, um, but is we proofed it down. And it was really interesting to see how things could improve as it was proofed down a couple of points and then get horrible by proofing it down a couple more mm -hmm. points. And so it's really interesting as you look at the discussion of, and there are some nerdy articles about there at barrel proof entry point. And, yeah. you know, Wild Turkey, I know, has raised theirs over the years really just to make sure they could continue to deliver 101 proof at the bottling and the volume that they need to. Um, but anyway, that was interesting to me. By the way, that's a transition. We didn't really jump right into our series of questions, but <laughs> I was asked what my entry bourbon was. And I first said Wild Turkey 101 <laughs> uh, because that's what I did when I was in college. I did shots of Wild Turkey 101 and I had a great time. And uh, last week, the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, thankfully, uh, beat the Gators. And I still remember to this day doing shots of Wild Turkey with friends of mine down there at an outdoor tiki bar. And let's just say my friends did not enjoy the lukewarm to hot wild turkey shot. And they said, if you're going to make us do these, the least you could do is get them chilled. Um, in any event, I've moved on from, and it's sort of in that era, that was probably 1986, 1987. 
And that's with a good bottle of turkey <laughs> at year 101. And now, was now, around. now I'm willing to chase down um, wild turkey decanters from the 80s and either the bottle or the decanter doesn't matter to me because I think it's fantastic. And so it's a little disappointing to think back then I was just chugging it so, so I could drink it with my Budweiser, but yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. And so you migrated from Wild Turkey 101. And what made you turn into really... Um, well, what sprouted the Garden of Roses? Yeah. What... what uh, what uh, I'm trying to think of the best way. To put what it. was your gateway bourbon? That's what you've been saying. Yeah, for gateway two bourbon. hours now. Well, not not just gateway, but what made you go from just a drinker to a, an enthusiast collector, and and really kind of made a name for yourself in the bourbon world. Yeah, so I'm not number one. Not worried about making a name for myself. <laughs> if I did, it's probably not good. Um, but that damn John Goddard, <laughs> idiot. Um, <laughs> simplest way to put it is I, I've been. And I don't like the term collecting, but I've been buying and drinking wine since, seriously, since about 2000. Um, and frankly, similar to bourbon, when I started off, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I still remember buying a case of Burgundy at a charity event and getting it home and cracking open a bottle with some uh, delivery pizza. Um, after I'd gone through almost all the bottles, I actually learned what I was drinking. And frankly, I wasn't doing justice uh, to the Burgundy. Uh, but that's the way it goes. I learned over time. And then on the bourbon side, um, interestingly enough, short period, it's only been four years um, This around this Thanksgiving. Started a little bit earlier in 15, um, drinking some stuff. I continue to drink Jack Daniels, frankly, for most of my um life and also wild turkey but just drinking it frankly normally with a lot of ice which a lot of bourbon nerds cringe at these days um but in any event i said all right i'm gonna for whatever reason a couple people said why don't you try bourbon i started drinking it and the thing that really got me was the camaraderie that comes with bourbon that doesn't come with wine and there are a lot of great people, and there's a lot of camaraderie um, in wine. WX, uh, which is a Facebook group, uh, had a great event in Atlanta on Friday, Saturday night. Tons of great people, tons of great wine shared. But all of that wine, it's now gone. And when you go out to dinner with someone or you have somebody over for a bottle of wine, that bottle of wine is gone. Whereas bourbon, you can keep for years. And so if I don't drink the same bottle every night. I don't drink the same bottle every week. So I was talking about Wild Turkey 101. I was up recently and did a Russell's Reserve pick with Barrels United, which is a small group that I'm in that is focused on picking barrels of bourbon and then raising money for charity. So I think it's a great group of guys. I'm uh, lucky enough to be in that group. But in any event, when we were up there, um, I brought a bottle of 1967 wild turkey that I still had, you know, four or five, six ounces left in. And we drank that after the pick and Eddie Russell enjoyed sharing it with us and the guys enjoyed sharing it. So again, if I'd had a wine from 1967, it would have just been gone. We also, I also brought up a 1972 uh, wild turkey that came out of a decanter, which was also one of the darkest things I've ever seen. But in any event, that's the big thing to me is 
people can come over here and um, this is the way James was. This is the way you were, Bob, when you came over. When you come over, anything that's open is fair game. And if you want to try it, we're going to try it. And frankly, if it's closed and you say, I'd like to try that and I've been thinking about opening it, then I'm going to open it. It's pretty much nothing off limits. And so that's the big thing for me, the, the biggest draw. I enjoy drinking it, but the camaraderie and what people yeah. do with it, that's the bigger thing to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, but I want to say like the first time I came over here, you know, I brought a box in and um, we ended up drinking my box of stuff and then <laughs> coming downstairs and uh, picking more, a few more things and then, you know, then we think had some pizza. I don't really remember. It gets kind of vague. <laughs> but, you know, had, had a blast. I mean, and, you know, like you said, I've kind of started a thing um, like when me and Katie got married. You know, I took the bottle and everybody signed the bottle and I still have some of it left. So as other people come over to the house. Did someone, Ruby sign it? Ruby did sign Ruby it. Ruby signed it. And if somebody else ever, I mean, finds their way to Brazelton. <laughs> And uh, you didn't ask me to sign it. Well, you haven't had any. I had to move 17 couches. <laughs> you never asked me to give me a drink of it. <laughs> I'm just waiting on somebody to come visit his brother in Flowery Branch and make a pit stop in Brazelton. <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lie. A lie. Well, I mean, like, looking forward to coming up. Yeah. Your you, trip to South Carolina will be enjoyable. Okay. Well, you talk about the, the friendships and the camaraderie and stuff. I mean, some of my best friends right now are from the bourbon me getting into bourbon you know i met bob and somehow we're doing a, a podcast i don't know how that works but we're doing it minutes away <clears throat> yeah yeah so we're doing it and, and thanks bob and then <laughs> you know i met some other guys and and it, it's it's fun you know people kick on the people that go to the campouts, but i have met some really cool people i've drank some really cool bourbon um stuff i, I i've never seen before you know one of the first Thomas H. Handy's BTAC released. I got to try it because I was camping out. You know, it's fun for me. That's why I do it. I mean, I'll eventually get my hands on what I want to get on, but I go to those campouts for that reason. And I'm going to make Bob come with me this year. Yeah, I'm going to go to a camp out and uh, we're, we're going to We're actually planning, yeah. Yeah. planning one out today. We've actually already talked to a store owner. We're going to set up a table and we're going to be broadcasting, you know, for, for their little Saturday morning, Sunday morning, whatever it is, release. We're gonna be out there having a blast. He's already got a tent. He's gonna bring in a like a heater. Heaters, plenty of heaters. I think a total of right now six heaters. So we're not gonna go cold. No, no. And so it's yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna be exhausted the next day. Nah, <laughs> nah. I didn't even the last two I've been to. I didn't even I didn't even sleep until the next night. I just one I was headed uh, over next to Columbia to get some bottles right after, but I eventually didn't go and went somewhere else. But. I mean, it's 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 awesome. You meet cool people. I mean, just mm -hmm. like you said, same thing. Yes, although let me tell you, I'm not camping out. Um, well, that's my new goal: is to get you to come camp out with <laughs> it's us. Just a bridge gone too far. I do I do think it's a good tr transition into another topic that I at least wanted to cover, and and that's the store owners. Mm -hmm. And so, listen, when when people camp out, it's because the store has said or a distillery has said we're going to have this release and. You're allowed to, to line up. And so they're expecting people. And so everything I've heard, while there are a few outliers, it's a, frankly, it's a good process. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not going to do it, but I enjoy hearing the stories yeah. of people having fun for people they've never met before and doing it. 
I'd say the downside of what I'll refer to as the bourbon craze and the store owners is that people feel very entitled to get a bottle just because they saw a truck pull into a store or they believe that a store is getting a certain bottle in. And so I'm friends, not, not just customers of or clients of, but friends with several store owners. These guys are running a retail business. It is a freaking tough business. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a pay cash when the bottle shows up business. They have a lot of investment sitting in a store. They're all working. And I'm talking about individually or family-owned stores here, not, not the bigger chains. But these are families where everybody's working in some capacity at the store. And they're working day, night, weekends, weekdays to make it happen. And a lot of the bottles, not a lot. Some bottles that come out, um, one individual flipping one bottle will make more than the store owner makes selling every single bottle that they got of whatever that might be. And, And so, frankly, of all the things that I've enjoyed the last four plus years, um, in the bourbon business, the one thing I don't enjoy is is seeing what I consider a growing disrespect for the hardworking store owner. So anybody who listens to this, I, I'd encourage you, um, listen, shop at the big chain if you like that. Shop at the local store if you like that. But don't have an expectation that you ought to get an allocated bottle that's going to be worth two, three, four, ten times what you paid for it just because you happen to pull into a parking lot and see a delivery truck and you think this is coming, support your local stores and they'll support you. I mean, part of the reason I'm not gonna camp out, other than the fact that I'm just too old and uh, don't feel like doing it. The man that's too old that runs marathons because it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if James and I could walk a marathon. uh, Speak for yourself. But but in the end, I'm gonna get the bottles, you know, I want at the end of the day. So again, I, I just encourage everybody to do that. And if you were to look at my, and I'll shut up here in a second, but if you were to look at the transition of my bourbon inventory, uh, not collection over the years, it started off, frankly, like a lot of other people with regular shelf stuff and then grew to allocated bourbon that I was able to get. And now is heavily, heavily weighted towards store and private group picks that I get. So I don't know whether you two guys have an opinion on relationships with store owners and people going and chasing bottles while they're not supporting their store. And again, I don't mind. You want to chase a bottle, go chase it. But just um, have some, you know, respect, if nothing else, for the store owner and how hard they're working and how little they're making off of the bottle. I don't think people know this, but... Average margin, and I could be off by a couple points, but on a normal 750, it's like 17%. Yeah. I think some people think they're working off a 50% margin. They're just not making that much money. And to get a lot of these allocated bottles, they're buying cases and cases of bottles that it's taking them six plus months to move. Yeah. Right. And and I think bourbon is two things. No, it's a luxury good. You don't need it to survive. You know, move on. And then number two, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. You get pissed off that the guy in front of you gets a Booker's 30th, and you think, well, he got one. I, I, I deserve to get one. And then you proceed to make sure the store owner hears you, and so does everybody else in the store, 
why do you think you're entitled to get one? I mean, it's not going to end well for you. I mean, yeah, I stopped in 17 different stores on my trip to Savannah the other day. I wasn't expecting, you know, I was, I, I thought I might see some stuff on the shelf, something like that. You know, I, I don't expect someone to just give me something. You know, if it's there and it's on the shelf, I'm gonna buy it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna ask, say, hey, you got anything? You got this or this? And if they don't have it, all right, have a good day. You know, it's not it's not something you want to fuss at someone about or or jump onto them. You know, you've never met them. And just because you walk in once a week and chat up a guy and asking him what allocated stuff he got in this week, and then walking out the door, that's not building a relationship. No. You know, buying from that guy. I can't tell you how many times that I have bought stuff because oh dude this new store pick that i got in you know it's really good and i bought it taking it home and said well something else to mix in with some old fashions you know for whatever reason but a it's going out on a limb and trying something new and b it showed him that you're willing to you know give his palate a try and you, you never know you go back and be honest with him hey it was pretty good but you know i tend my palate tends to go this way you never know he next pick comes around he might say why don't you go with me yeah you know, I mean, I shop at three stores mainly. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's got a pick here or there, I might stop buying it and get it. But I shop at three stores. That's all. My wife buys her Oliver beer from one, you know, and I buy my bourbon from there and then store picks from other places. But, you know, it, it you can't get a bottle from every store in Atlanta. There's just no way. You you, you can't. And now, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, if there's an open lottery... Or there's an open raffle, although those are a little more challenging, yeah. uh, and certainly in the state of Georgia. Now, on stores I don't normally go to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in on those. Because I'd, I'd like to have those bottles just like everybody else. But even when I'm going to those, I'm going to go ahead and buy something else while I'm in the store. I, I got a bottle recently that was a high-in-demand bottle. Frankly, I bought two cases of wine, and it was frankly not inexpensive wine. But I wanted to go ahead, and I wanted to get that bottle, and I wanted to support that store. So and you I, like good wine. And yeah, so I got something that I want to drink. The store owner made a nice sale, uh, moved some, some good wine, and then I got a bottle also that I wanted. Uh, but anyway, as, as the allocation season is really sort of in full bore right now, I just encourage everybody be respectful of the store owners. Not everybody's going to be best friends with the store owners. I'm lucky enough to have three particular store owners that I, I'm good friends with. And if they sold their liquor stores tomorrow, we'd still be good friends. So anyway, that's sort of my message for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're passionate about that, but what do you, that's not what you're really passionate about. What, what, what is your real passion in this game? You like good bourbon, you like good store owners, but what what really drives you to stay in this hobby? Well, as my wife could attest, because at one time I had 150 Four Roses barrels or bottles sitting upstairs <laughs> in my dining room. A uh, big part of what I do right now is around charities. Mm-hmm. And so everything I can do to be involved in charities, I'm going to be doing. So I've done a few things this year. So one, the four roses, and this this speaks to store owners. So Pitch and Putt, uh, which is a little store, uh, Jeff Hollinger, broadcaster in Atlanta, wrote a story about a few months ago, uh, close to Emory, close to my house. Um, in any event, he allowed me to pick his four roses. He got a hundred proof barrel. And so I was on a four roses pick with the bourbon cartel. 
And then after we picked our um, barrel of barrel strength, we picked this 100 proofer pick from five. I actually think it's very good. But more importantly, what he agreed to do was sell me the barrel at cost. Good. And let me use that as a charity barrel. And so we signed the top of the barrel, pitch and putt veterans barrel. We put some uh, military uh, type comments on the top of the barrel. And ultimately, I use that to raise money for an organization called Veterans Empowerment Organization that assists homeless vets in Atlanta get back on their feet and get back into fully functioning society. I think it's a tremendous organization. I've supported them uh, before. But ultimately, and this is the way the math works because I think it's important. So I was able to pay $37 a bottle, which with tax brought it to about $40. So that was the cost. So people donated $20 to VEO. They got to purchase the bottle at cost for $40. So um, Hitch and Putt really made no money out of it. I yeah. made no money out of it. In just that individual barrel, we raised $3,000 for VEO. And people got a good bottle of bourbon with a cool sticker that was designed by an Army vet named Charlie Solo. Does a great job, two different barrels. So to me... That, that's what it's about. It's really fun. There are two different sites right now. Um, the Angel Share, which has been around for a few years now, that I've supported by making a lot of cash donations. At least I think it's a lot. Pretty good number of cash donations. And then also making bottle donations to various events that people have run. I don't remember how much they've raised over the years, but it's a lot of money. And then I've run events in there also. I ran one earlier this year to assist disadvantaged children and raise just shy of just shy of fifteen thousand dollars. And I put up twenty bottles of my own. I had friends kick in another ten bottles, so um, we had thirty bottles up for grabs that that raised almost fifteen grand. So that was fantastic. I just completed for VEO an event in Generosity of Spirit, which is a group that's been around for about six months. Yep. And so the other members of the Bourbon Cartel and I, we put up 20 bottles of Bourbon Cartel bottles, actually 21 at the end of the day. I put up a couple of my own bottles, and then we had some bottle donations, and we raised $8,300 for VEO, so that pushed us over 10 grand of raising money for VEO for the year. So when you can combine your passion for bourbon, your your passion for giving back, I mean, think about that. Uh, 15 grand to help disadvantaged children, over 10 grand to help vets. I did another barrel, so City Wine and Spirits, uh, good friends with Bobby, helped Bobby with a lot of his picks. He's put out some, some great stuff. He sold me, he let me pick his Russell's Reserve, um, similar to Pitch and Putt. Bobby uh, let me buy it at cost. Uh, so I stroked him a pretty big check. Yep. And I was the proud owner of 150 bottles of Russell's Reserve to benefit Paul's Atlanta, Georgia's oldest no-kill shelter where I'm on the board. Um, got a nice picture of my dog um, on the side label, Sully, who, um, and it was similar math. $20 donated to Paws let you buy the bottle at $50, which was cost after tax. 
So we raised $3,000 for Paul's Atlanta. People got um, a great bourbon. A fantastic bourbon, actually. Yeah. Paul's got $3,000, and Bobby got a lot of good thanks from me for uh, letting me do it. Good. Yeah, the Paul's bottle is amazing. Yeah, when we when we were sitting around talking about the formation of this podcast and that we wanted to focus on the stores, the store owners, the groups, and then the charity aspect, you were like the first name that popped in our head when it came to charity because, I mean, not just in Atlanta, not just in Georgia, but around the country, I mean, you're known for the amount of charities that you either support, endorse, uh, run, and that's that's the... I mean, that, that's the big part of it right there is actually collecting all the bottles, collecting all the money, and then the shipping. <laughs> yeah, everything until the shipping is the easy part. I'm going to show you my list when we start. When we started talking about this, what we were going to do, I'll show you my list on my phone. Look right up top. All right. I like this. Look, I mean, he wasn't lying, you know. He wasn't. He wasn't telling the fib. You were. I mean, you were right on top for us. So um, I'd be remiss if I didn't, on the charity side, talk about. And it goes right into my love of, of Four Roses, and I love a lot of other brands, but um, Four Roses, the single barrel, I just think is fantastic because there are so many different opportunities to taste so many different recipes. And I mentioned before, I'm in a small group in Atlanta called Barrels United. And honestly, I got introduced and invited into the group uh, because two different guys in the group came over here just for a, a, a bottle trade exchange. And they experienced the same thing you two experienced, which is just hang out and talk and have some yeah. uh, drinks and uh, have a good time. Anyway, so I'm in that group. Uh, I actually missed this pick. I wasn't able to make it. Pained me to no end. But the guys went up and picked a four roses uh, and they ended up with an OES F recipe, which honestly, I don't think a lot of people think, oh, that's my favorite recipe. I don't think I've met a single person that says that's my favorite recipe. But right now, um, some people like to talk about runs. I'm not into the run dialogue. What I do find intriguing is that it seems like we go for through a period of time where certain recipes at a certain age all shine during those blind tastings. And there are a number of OESFs that have been released or yeah. are going to be released um, that are fantastic. So these guys had, uh, again, Charlie Solo, I believe, yes, design an yes. awesome Atlanta United uh, themed sticker that was fantastic. And ultimately, unfortunately, it was a short barrel, or I think we could have even raised more money for the Atlanta Children's Shelter, which is a place that uh, is provides daycare for homeless kids. Mm -hmm. And I've been before. Frankly, it's very sad. Um, it's a great institution, great organization. Wish it wasn't needed, but it is. And so in order to be in the group of people that bought, um, I believe, 35 or 36 of the bottles. You had to make a $20 donation to the Atlanta Children's Shelter. We've subsequently um, auctioned off one of them, one of the bottles that the group paid for, and raised some more money. And then I used it as a pop-up um, in one of my fundraisers uh, for the veterans. And so 
thank the guys, uh, Barrels United, doing a great job. There are other groups in town who are also doing a great job. The Bourbon Barons are doing a job with this. Um, so I'd like to see more and more of it. I don't, don't necessarily want to see every bottle be a uh, charity bottle, um, but I think it's really good to see the community giving back. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I know, just to go back to one thing you were saying, sorry for cutting you off. No, go ahead. Go ahead I've got please. a bad habit of that. Go ahead. So we had the cork and keg around the same time frame. We had smoke rise. Then we had Yosef, the bottle you just talked about. And then I also have a Tippins pick from Michigan that are all in that 10-year, couple-month time frame, and they've all been wonderful. It Right now, it's my favorite recipe. So you know one. You know one person now. So and I can say... The bourbon cartel, we did a pick. We've got a little family feud label on, on the back of it because mm -hmm. we were tied four to four, and Zeke Baker of Dad's Drinking Bourbon was on the pick uh, with me. And we were both in what ultimately was the OESF. I really thought it was fantastic, uh, but we were tied four to four. Al Young split the tie, mm -hmm. and then we ended up with an OBSK, which I think is a really solid... OBSK, but I can tell you I'm tracking down the OESF, and I did a pick for Whitlock at Four Roses earlier this year, and we ended up with an OESO, which again, unfortunately, was a short barrel. There's a trend to short barrels, it seems like, when I go on picks. Yeah. Uh, frustrates Bobby at City Wine and Spirits, but we picked the OESO. What was really tied with the OESO was another OESF, Yeah. and I'm tracking that down. So I think it's just, it's interesting to me to see how it goes. Now what we're seeing is a run of OBSKs. Mm -hmm. So um, you guys were, thankfully, ran out to Turtle Creek and brought me a few bottles of OBSK. A few cases. Um, <laughs> so I'm happy to, you know, not only have those bottles, and I think they're fantastic, but I've already, I think I've, of the bottles I got, I'm cost plus shipped 10 of them and Good. then shared several more locally. And so at the end of the day, I placed a pretty big order and was happy to get them, but I'm not hoarding them. I'm getting them out to other people who are going to enjoy them at my cost. Yep. Um, so anyway, I do think we're seeing, I believe Lincoln Road did a, they shared a barrel with tip. It was either Tippins or Tippins, Tippins, yeah. right? That OBSK, which I didn't get my hands on that OBSK. Jamie does a great job over there, but I'd like to get my hand on one of those. <laughs> I'll see sure if I can help you. I'm sure you will. One way or another, I'm I think, sure. I think it was called Shipping Roots, is what it's called. I saw some today for sale. So if you're interested, I don't know if it went away or not. I don't know. We'll see. Awesome. And I'll end. You guys can figure out whether you put this in or not. So, and um, it's embarrassing that I didn't think about this until now. But I started buying bourbon you know, around four years ago. But then in the spring of 16, there were floods in West Virginia. And it mm -hmm. was horrific. And frankly, the poorest areas of West Virginia... Um, were flooded. And so the green bar was flooded, but listen, they, they bounced back, they were flying. But the areas around the green bar there, that's some of the poorest areas of West Virginia. There was devastation. And so 
there was somebody in the old SWT put up a um, fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you donate this amount of money, then you're going to end up, you can get this bottle. And then more of this bottle. And so it went up like that. And a group of guys, I think there were 11 guys at the end of the day, donated bottles. And I donated $2,200 to the United Way of Greenbrier County to help those people in West Virginia, which, frankly, I was happy to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I had to explain to my wife, who was already not comfortable with the amount of bourbon I had in the house, and think about that. That was probably around 60 bottles um, at the time. And I said, you want to help the people in West Virginia? She said, yes. And I said, well... I'm going to make a donation and we're going to get 14 bottles of bourbon. And I originally thought these were all guys from West Virginia. In fact, it was one guy from West Virginia. The rest of the people were from around the country that had met him through the bourbon world and they donated bottles. And so I got all of them. I think I have at least a smidge left of all of them. And so... I've got the Bandito, which was donated by Kevin Brown, who runs Chops here in town, who uh, can be a little prickly online, but is a great human being in person. Anyway, as I actually think about it as we've talked through this, that was probably one of the biggest game changers to me because I was like, look at what these people have done and what it also did was it introduced me to a bunch of dusty and private select bourbon that I would have, maybe I would have gotten it by now, but it would have been years. And so when I look at the stuff that I have today, a lot of my favorite bottles have been purchased through charity auctions or raffles. And they're guys that are trying to give back by making something exclusive. And I'll Ramble on, you guys make this your own episode on on charity. Uh, Bo Johnson, the big chief, um, somebody in his group put up one of the NOLA big chiefs, one of the one of the old, old ones, and whoever was willing to donate the most to a charity of their choice got to get the bottle. And so I think I said I'll do 600. Somebody else said, I'll tell you what, I'll give 1,000. But if John, and I think he gave it to Wounded Warriors, but if John will give his 600, he can have the bottle. And I said, well, that's a nice gesture, but I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead, donate the 600 to the charity of my choice, and then if someone else will put up another bottle, I'll donate $400 to the uh, charity of your choice. So Bo, Bo stepped up, he gave up one of his bottles, and so I still, to this day, get um, requests from uh, Meals on Wheels people uh, down in New Orleans, which his wife is very active with. Mm-hmm. So there we had two bottles raised $2,000. Yeah. And so it gets back to it. What's it about? It's about community. Uh, not everyone has to care about giving back, but it's really fun when we can combine the bourbon, the camaraderie, and helping people who deserve to be helped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't have to donate thousands of dollars. Twenty dollars on top of a of a bottle is 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 feasible for for most people doing this. You don't have, I mean, it, you know, anything helps anybody. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to be the biggest giver. This no. is around 
giving what you can. And when I go into a raffle, I, I don't really care whether I win something or not. In fact, my, my luck in raffles is pretty bad. Um, I've been a lot better off just going ahead and yeah. making a contribution and buying, buying the bottle. Uh, it works for me uh, a little bit better. You know, I'm lucky enough to have one of the OFC 1980s that went to the Giving Kitchen here in Atlanta, which helped restaurant workers who are in need. Those guys have no safety net. So I think that organization does a fantastic job, and they had one of those bottles, and I was able to, to, to buy it. And, you know, ultimately, I'll open it, you know, maybe for a charity-related event, but it's just another example of ways that my particular passions come together. Well, we were going to wait and, and talk about some, some things, and I didn't talk to Bob about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Bob and I have come up with Bourbon of the Year Awards for Atlanta. We have six to eight or so we wanted to do. that. We thought this would be something cool to do. We have one for for a bourbon person that that we feel for for that year that has been the most charitable. We're not going to do these awards until January or February, whenever we get time to, to get it going. But but we want to. <laughs> you're going to be the first bourbon charity guy. Oh yeah, you're going to be the first award winner for that. You're going to get a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Until our budget gets bigger, <laughs> you're, you're going to get, get a, a fancy, piece of paper. You can, piece of paper. We'll even put it in a frame for you. But but that's why we wanted to do you first. You there's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she. Well, <laughs> sorry. We we wanted to do an episode with you first. You know, we did something with Daniel, and, and you got on to us, and and but but you're gonna that be our first episode. That's crap. <laughs> now we gonna put everything in except for coughs. Uh, but uh, you know, we do this real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep on doing it. We we respect what you do with it a, a whole lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot of people do. There are are other people that are doing a lot of a lot for charity too. But you've done, in our eyes, you know, stuff that, you know, pets, you know, animals and, and, and veterans, Go America. That, that's what, you know, that's stuff we believe in. And, and we wanted to, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, so we wanted to tell you that, that, well, I wanted to tell you right now because just hearing a lot of the things you've done and been a part of and, you know, it, and I hope it inspires other people, you know, people that haven't done it before. You know, not everybody's going to have the chance to get a whole barrel and do that. But you give twenty bucks here, twenty bucks there. I, I think, and not even that. Maybe maybe there's a bourbon charity event coming up. You throw a bottle in, or, or you just been like, I don't know if that's something I want to really want to go to. Go, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll have fun. Yeah, there just like campouts. I mean, event that I have been to that I, I didn't have fun at. So by the way, I think that that's awesome. I don't deserve it, uh, but I you're getting it anyway. <laughs> I appreciate it. There are certainly people that do more. I, I will say what's interesting is it's not, you just have to have a commitment and a mindset to it. And this is a simple thing you just said. So I used to give, and I still donate bourbon to various th things, but I also am now, I, I auction off at charity events, bourbon tastings at the house. Mm -hmm. And pe people come four to six. I just sold one for six people, sold for $1,300. Um, I was trying to get people to bid in on this, and then I saw what it went for, and I was like, <sighs> you know, the, the <laughs> thing is coming here on an official tasting. I, can, I mean, I know what you have over there. I know you get you get to taste for free, so that's the thing. So these people don't get to. So we raise we raise some money for a charity, 
And then, you know, the thing is, this lets me, makes me drink some bottles I don't normally drink, but these guys get to experience something, so I'm doing that. But in a simple event to help canine companions, uh, a friend of ours, very active in that organization, I put up three store picks from Whitlock. Uh, Willow Oaks, I mean, um, I put up an Elijah Craig, a uh, Buffalo Trace, and an Eagle Rare. So those three picks, and listen, I think they're all three great picks, right? Mm -hmm. It raised $400 for those three picks. So you've got people, and our tagline was, you think you've had these, but you haven't had these three yeah. that were picked. And so they're example after example of other people who have donated bourbon we're non our sort of view of non-bourbon people that they've done and it raises a ton of money much more than we paid for the bottles or frankly those three bottles if i tried to put those on any of these secondary sites for 400 dollars today there'd be crickets <laughs> or, or or you'd have people making some random comments and it would just frustrate the hell out of you yeah so there was a it was a good thing to do mm -hmm. so anyway Thank you very much. Non-deserving, but appreciated nonetheless. Probably should go to Sully. He encourages me every day. <laughs> and Sully has helped you raise a good bit of money, hasn't he? <laughs> a good, a good uh, recipient of photographs. Uh, great dog and featured in every live randomizer that I do. So, all right, James, where uh, where can people find us? Well, Facebook, BS and Bourbon. Let me get on Instagram because you had me change it. Hold on. To find out what it is. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, you can uh, find us on, on Facebook. Last night at 11 o'clock. Well, do this, do this, do well, this, do this. It's not just BS and bourbon. It's BS and like little ampersand bourbon. All right, everybody listen. All right, how it's, are you going to find us on the Instagrams? On the Instagram, it's BS and bourbon.atl. I can't put the, what, ampersands? I can't put that in there. Well, so we're BS and bourbon. The BS and bourbon. Dot, all dot ATL. That's Atlanta. Hotlanta. No, 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 no. Hotlanta. It's baby. not Hotlanta. You're gonna get Listen, you're gonna get crucified you, for you that. You don't live in Atlanta. <laughs> People who live in Atlanta do not say Hotlanta. No, they don't. I'm telling you, he don't listen. Well, it's like Nash Vegas. Nobody who lives in ba in Nashville says Nash Vegas. I agree. And then uh, you can find you as James eighteen Smith eighteen on the Instagram on Instagram, and then and James Smith on Facebook. And we're making a Twitter, but I haven't figured it out yet. I have no. I idea. I keep how to getting these half naked women wanting to be my friend, <laughs> and I don't even know who they are. <laughs> that's but, a uh, that's we'll, a yes. I'll we'll be your figure, friend. We'll figure that out. <laughs> and you can find me at uh, Southern underscore Bourbon uh, when I'm not hanging out with this guy. So. Or getting his damn haircut. <laughs> another story for another time. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending. We we've been in here for for almost two hours. One of this. This is a great solid. Hey, we can get two episodes out of. Yeah. Thank you, John, for spending time. With thank us. you. Thank you, John, for opening your bottles and sharing your home. It's been a blast. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. Just I promise you, we're gonna be back. Thanks, boys. Yes. Thank you. Bye.